0: So good morning once again, Eastside family. I want to um, say I congratulate those of you all that did not get sucked into the polar vortex as you were making your way here. I love those names for these weather conditions, polar vortex, the bomb, cyclone. I remember one time in the paper it said Snowmageddon. So it sounds like something you'd read in the book of Revelation about the apocalypse. And so glad some of you guys survived it here. And we're glad the rest of you are here via live stream. Those that are here and have their children with them um, went ahead and took them, it looks like. But if you're here and you're wondering... What's that sign say on the screen? If you have a child two years old through second grade, you can take your children in that direction. To junior worship, the rest of you, I would ask that you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter six. John chapter six. Couple of things I wanna mention. One of them that I forgot to mention as I was introducing Rebecca and Elijah, Michael and Rebecca Mullen, they're actually not just having Elijah in their home as their foster child, but they're in the process soon I think of adopting Elijah. So if you want to be thinking about what to pray about that's something to be praying about. Another thing we are really really blessed to have people join us in different parts uh, through live streaming. one of the people that is very means a lot to me and Karen is Karen's cousin in a beautiful little village called Killalay Northern Ireland just south of Belfast. I've been there many times and Roberta Adair is with us almost certainly because she's been with us for like, ever since COVID hit, every Sunday, and she is Karen's cousin. Roberta is with us this morning, but she's carrying a heavy burden. Her niece, Ashlyn, died suddenly, on Jan- unexpectedly on January 2nd. So Roberta, not just from me and Karen, but from your family here in Colorado Springs, we love you. We care about you. We, we hurt with you, and we are praying certainly, indeed, for you. John chapter six, verses one through 15. I decided that since today was the day when we were blessing the children of our East Side family, that I decided to pick a story of a child. It's a story of a child that wasn't blessed, necessarily, but it's a child that Jesus used to bless others. And from a little boy in this story that we're going to see this morning, there are some really powerful, valuable lessons that we can learn to help position us as we're now entering into the new year. With the exception of the resurrection, in this passage, we see the only other miracle that is repeated by all four of the gospel writers. So the fact that God repeats this Four times tells us this is something. There's something here he doesn't want us to miss. Let's enter the story. I'll be reading in chapter 6 and verse 1 from the English Standard Version, the ESV. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted." And when they had eaten their fill he told the disciples gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the 5 barley loaves left by those who had eaten When the people saw the sign that he had done they said this indeed this is indeed the prophet who is come into the world perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king Jesus Withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This passage is packed full of so many powerful lessons, but my primary focus this morning is going to be on what we can learn from the little boy in this story. That's what we're going to look at. And I'm going to let you and your life groups really unpack the rest of this story and the details. We see Jesus and his disciples, they have found themselves in an impossible situation. They're facing a need, basically, that was beyond their human capability to meet. Jesus, in his compassion and his, and his kindness, saw a crowd, a huge crowd of people, and he made a decision, we're going to feed them. And John tells us, well, there's about 5,000 men there. That's just the count of men. And so when you add the count of men, of men women, and children who are also there, you've got somewhere between fifteen to 25,000 people total to feed. Impossible. And so basically, Jesus and his disciples had a decision to make. A, we're going to do something with what we have we're going to make a decision based upon what we have or B we're going to make a decision based upon the need that is before us now as far as the need that was before them there was anywhere from 15 to 25,000 people and Philip as one of his disciples stated there was not enough money so they did not have enough money to feed all of these people But then we also see of the food that was available from what they found. Andrew found a little boy and there was a little boy who had five loaves and two fish. That's not going to work. And so you're looking at an impossible situation from a practical point of view. We can't do this. Now I don't know about you, but some of you grew up going to church and when I was a little boy, going to Sunday school. I remember a lot of the stories, but I think one of the stories that I remember more than any is this one story of this little boy, because the teachers would always show pictures. When I was back in my day, I can't believe I'm saying that now, but back in my day, they had what's called flannel graph. We didn't have all the technology, and so you would have these cut out cloth pictures and as the teacher's telling the story she's taking the cut out cloth pictures and she's putting them on the flannel graph and she's telling the story and you're getting drawn into the story. But the pictures somewhat can be deceptive because if you look at these pictures especially at the one to the bottom left there it wasn't like when it says the, these five loaves of bread, we're thinking of French bread loaves. It wasn't that at all. John tells us that these were barley loaves, which doesn't tell, mu- tell us much. But barley loaves, it was more likely something that would be similar to our current day crackers. And barley was the lowest quality of food. And so if you're eating barley, that means this is a person in poverty. poverty. And so that tells us something about this little boy. He brought two fish along, and typically, typically the fish were for the purpose of giving a little bit of flavor to the bread. But my trouble, just look at those pictures when I was a little kid. I would think, that is nasty. (laughs) What mother who loves her children or her child, is going to send him with a lunch with two fish that look like that. You think about it, kids. Most of you go to school, and you you have a nice little lunch box like this, and you're just so excited. What did mom fix me today for lunch? Is it a roast beef sandwich? Is it a ham sandwich? Is it some Twinkies? Or is it maybe... Um, Uh, some fruit snacks and everything, and you open up your lunch bag, and what if you were to pull out a, a whole fish with a head and eyes on it? That's the best mom ever. And yes, this is a real fish. So I'm a little kid following this story, and I'm going, fish sticks? Maybe with tartar sauce. Go back. Go back a little bit there to the other picture. But I'm looking at these pictures. And I'm sitting there going. They've still got the heads on them. There's still the eyes on them. There's still the scales on them. I'm even wondering if they've gutted. Now, this fish has been gutted. But they have, have they even gutted this fish. That my mother gave me. And you kind of look at the one. Especially here on the right side. The fish still look alive. And they're smiling. I mean, I'm into sushi, but I don't want it moving on my plate. You know, you need to you need to kill that. So, as a little boy looking at this story, I'm going, no, no, I'd be more than happy to to share my meal with Jesus. And so, I'm kind of thinking, I'm kind of thinking that nobody's going to want to shake my hand at the end of church. Um, I'm kind of thinking, probably, if there were a 21st century. Equivalent, it would be like looking in your lunchbox and finding these beautiful fish. A can of sardines. I mean, what child wouldn't love to get a can? I mean, you would be, you would be, sardines and crackers, you would be the absolute envy of the cafeteria because everybody in the cafeteria could oh yeah he's got sardines now these I actually went to um, World Market to find some with the heads on like this couldn't find these all I could find were these but don't these look absolutely delicious and so, so I'm, I'm reading this story as a little boy And I'm going, I'm going, no wonder he was so delighted to share his food, his food with Jesus. Thank you, Benjamin Richardson. Your um, lunchbox will never be the same, my friend. I think the problem that we have, that I have with this story is that I'm looking at this story through my twenty-first century eyes, but for this little boy, this was a good meal. For this little boy, the, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you something. When Karen and I when Karen and I were at um oh, that's just disgusting. The fish are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Karen actually found these sardine packs at, at, at Royal Market. They're chocolate sardines. Not chocolate covered, but just chocolates, okay? To you kids, 12th grade and under, if you want, I've got 30 of these. You're more than welcome to get, come and get one afterwards. <clears throat> I don't think they're chocolate covered sardines. But the implication from this story, it wasn't like, "Ooh, sick, you can have this. This is, this is what he had. <laughs> this is the the best that he had. It, you know what? It kind of like reminded me of the story. And Mark and Luke tell the story of the precious widow, who in her in her temple. What are you bringing up? <laughs> Cracker crackers? Oh, well, thank you. I've got I've got, well, I've got crackers. Uh, yeah, you're sweet. A sweet young man decided to give me crackers as well. So that's what a visual illustration. Thank you, Henry, for these crackers to go with my wonderful um, fish. The widow is similar to this little boy. It says in the story in Mark and Luke, she gave two mites, two coins. Why even give? That's what She had. Luke says that's all she had. And of all the offerings that were brought on that day to the temple, that's the one that impressed Jesus and stood out to him the most. Though this boy was likely very poor, though he was hungry, though he needed more than likely this food for himself, a need was presented. We need to feed these 20,000 people and so he came and gave what he had which is kind of silly he was not he was not mature enough he was not experienced enough, he was not wise enough to realize that what he had to give was too small and insignificant it couldn't help at all he just gave what he had in his child-like faith. Now Andrew One of Jesus' disciples, who actually found this little boy in the crowd, he was mature, and he was wise, and he understood things. He had experience, and he said, well, we've got these five loaves, and we have these two fish, but I mean, we've got 20,000 people. What good is this going to do? So at this point, Jesus has made a decision not to base his decision upon what they had because they didn't have enough, but he made a decision based upon the need that was before him. And so he took what this little boy had to offer. And here's what's really interesting. In verse 11, it says, he took the bread and the fish and he gave thanks. You think, well, that's kind of weird. Think about it. Dear Lord, thank you for these five little pieces of bread and these two fish with which we're going to feed 20,000 people. That almost sounds sarcastic. But it wasn't. It reminds me of a story. Maybe you've heard of George Mueller. He's a very famous man who was a Christian minister in in England back in the 1800s. And he ran an orphanage. And there were about 300 children in the orphanage. And, And the story is written and told that one morning... The children got up, and the, and the house mother said to George, she said, look, the kids are dressed. The kids are ready to go to school. We have no food for breakfast. And George Mueller said, have them sit down at the tables. So they sat down at the tables, and he gave thanks for their food, but they didn't have any food. It's kind of like what Jesus is doing here. Thank you for what we have that's going to feed all these people. It's not going to happen. He gave thanks for this food that they didn't have, and as the story goes, it's written, a few minutes later, a baker knocked on the door. he had baked way more bread than he realized he needed, and he donated it to the orphanage. A few minutes later, another knock was at the door. It was a milkman. His milk cart had broken down right outside of the orphanage. And he realized, there's no way I'm going to get this fixed and this milk delivered. It's all going to spoil. And so he donated 10 containers of milk, and all of the children in that day had their breakfast to their full and went to school. And you're thinking... Hmm, is that true? How does, how, does, how does that happen? It's the work of God. And so you see a, a a similar story here with Jesus. In faith, he gave thanks. And with five loaves and two fish, what this precious boy gave, he fed this multitude of people. And here's what I'm thinking. I'm going, how did that look? Like, how, do you, how, do you, how did you do that? Like, you got five loaves and two fish, and you're handing out, is it just multiplying in the basket? I don't know. But you see, it's a miracle. Miracles defy human explanation. So I said to you as I began that we're looking at this story to help position us as we enter into the new year. So let me explain what I mean by that. At this time every year, for the sake of transparency, we present to you, the church, our annual budget. This would be our annual Eastside 2024 budget we do this but we believe it's really important as a matter of fact next week you can get paper copies if you would like one. Well, we don't have them ready for you today we want you to know I wonder where that money is going we want you to know where it's going there are to be absolutely no secrets here regarding the finances and so this year as the finance committee and the government's council gave to the elders the budget they put together our elders were basically faced with the same thing we see in this story they were faced with the decision eh? Are we going to make a decision based upon what we have, what has been donated, and what we expect to be donated from historical trends? They can make a decision. That's a practical decision. Or their elders can make a decision based upon the needs that are before us. And like Jesus and his disciples in this story, as we were talking about it's like, well, this is impossible. When we look at the missions that are a part of this church family, when we look at the ministries that are a part of this church family, when we look at this facility that is an incredible instrument where God is doing so much here, and we look at what, who we are and what we have to offer, we're standing before something much greater than we are. And then you just back up a little bit and we know that as this is a mission that was given to us by Jesus is go and make disciples of all nations. Well, how many people we're talking about? We're talking about seven billion plus people. And so we're standing before an incredible impossibility. There is no way with who we are and what we have that we can meet these needs. It just can't happen. We only have five loaves and two fish and we've got 20 some odd thousand people in comparing it to this story. But I have been doing this now for a number of years. And I have been to many finance committee, elder, minister, governance council meetings. And I find myself not reacting with the expression, as I share, we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this, this, but we're only getting contributions like this. I don't respond with, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. What are we going to do? And this is really true. This is not just me making up a nice sermon here. I find myself constantly asking very similar questions that I ask as I read this story in John chapter 6. I'm reading this story in John chapter 6 and I'm going, like, how, how did he do that? How is this, how is this looking? How is this? happening. Same thing when I look at our church, honestly. We're not a mega church, but for a church our size, my head sometimes spins at the things I see that God is doing through this church family through our ministries and through our missions. I I, I was just over the holidays, I was going, seriously? Did this happen? When I saw the amount of food that was given by our church, Eastside family, for the Thanksgiving meals for families that didn't have it for Thanksgiving. And then I saw an amount of money that was donated and given here That was went to Mercy's Gate for home for the holidays, which is helping people who are facing eviction stay in their homes. But they didn't have the money. We donated it. And they're in their home today, not outside, because of what God did through this church family. Actually, I'm privy to some inside information at Mercy's Gate. Our church donated more money than churches five and ten times our size. How did that happen? And then I'm sitting there looking. I get to see things, maybe a lot of you all don't. We got members in our church who are going through really hard times, whether it be with their rent, with their mortgage, or with their car payments, or with their medical expenses. And I see our church family members giving abundantly more than even these family needs are in our own personal church family. We're seeing many go to... Um, And serve full-time in mission works. We're seeing part-time mission works in South Dakota, Zambia, Angola, Guatemala, and Mexico. All through what is happening through our small congregation. And then I look at our children's ministry. I look at our student ministry. So active, offering so much. And I just find myself asking like I do with this story. How is this working? And I really, you know, I'm serious. I have no other explanation other than this is a miracle that defies human explanation. It is the working of God to take the little that we are and the little that we have to offer and multiplying it for the needs at hand. And so as a result of God doing that in the past, our elders made a decision. Our shepherds made a decision this year not to make a decision with our budget based upon what we have and can do, but based upon the needs. That are before us. Needs that are larger and greater than we are, but they're not larger and greater than our God and His proven faithfulness in the past. Now, what's important for us to notice in this story is that Jesus could have done this without the disciples, and He could have done this without the little boy. (laughs) He really Didn't need five loaves and two fish. He could have just snapped his finger. And we know the stories in the Old Testament. Manna and quail could have fallen from heaven. Everybody's full. But you see this in Scripture. God works powerfully. God works miraculously when his people step out through acts of incredible faith. As we see in, this, in the example of this little boy through a child like faith. And so, as a, as a practical application of this lesson, as we were putting together our 2024 budget presentation, you can get a copy of it next week as I shared with you. We came upon three acts of faith that we are asking for you to consider. As we look at the needs that are before us in 2024. First act of faith. First of all, we're asking for those of you who are not giving. And and there are some of us here. To not let your inability to give much be a reason not to give at all. Learn from the childlike faith of this little boy. It may seem to be insignificant and small. it's an act of faith, and God works through that. That's the first step of faith we're asking. The second step of faith that we're asking is that all of us Consider following the biblical model of giving that God gave His people in the Old Testament. We see of tithing. Tithing is basically giving 10% of your income. It's giving as we see in Scripture. It's before you give anywhere else. Before you give your taxes to Uncle Sam, it's before you stop and say, okay, wait a minute, before I give to the church and to God, I need to make sure I've got what I need. I need to make sure all my things are taken care of. You'd make a decision that before myself, before my government, I'm gonna put God first in my giving and I'm gonna trust Him that he's going to take care of me as he promises to do. So we're asking, give what you can. Let tithing be 10% of your starting point. And so, thirdly, we're asking that there are a good number of you who are faithfully giving. But as we looked at the budget and we saw the percentage increase to meet the needs that are before us, We are asking those who are faithful givers to consider increasing your giving this year by 5%. So if you're not good at math, here's what that means. If your monthly income gives you a tithe of $100 to tithe to God and the church uh, on a monthly basis, that means you would increase your giving to $105 a month. If you tithe and your 10% of your income monthly is $1,000 a month, then you would increase your giving to $10,050 a month. If your monthly income gives you 10% of a tithe at $10,000 a month, then first of all, we would ask that you would pay off our mortgage. (laughs) Because you're doing great. And that's a joke and it's not a joke. I prayed this morning that God would put it on somebody's heart. I don't even have to know who they are. It can be one of those guys making millions uh, on the Broncos to pay off our mortgage. We're looking, I'm we're praying for that person. But listen, I'm telling you this. I'm confident of this, that if we will step out in acts of faith, according to these three principles, these three steps of faith, I have no doubt at the end of 2024, we're going to look back and our Jaws are going to be dropping. And we're going to say, how in the world did that happen? It's, it's, it's nothing beyond God working miraculously when His people step out on faith and trust Him. But now, here's something really, really important, okay? Ultimately, this story isn't about fish. That's all, that's all I can taste right now. This story isn't about fish and loaves. This story really isn't about the money that you give. Fish and loaves are important. The offerings are important. But John says, let me tell you what this story is really about. He goes at the end of this gospel in chapter 20, I believe it's in verse 31. He says, oh, there, I don't don't have this. Uh, I do have it there. He said, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Those signs are the miracles. All these miracles that I'm writing about. and There's more. I don't even have time to write them all. I don't have room for them. There are enough libraries for them all. But he says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the main primary point of this passage. Is that it leads us to this incredible, shocking, transformative belief in Jesus. And the question is, do we believe it? And it's really, really not about, we believe it and therefore, here's our loaves and our fish, here's our 10%. The truth is, when you really look at the call of discipleship, it's about not simply giving a portion, but it's about giving all. It's about a full surrender. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And so the the first practical application of this lesson, if you've never surrendered your life fully to Jesus in baptism, Dying to self and say, it's all, I'm all in. Oh, we would encourage you to let that be the way that you begin this new year. And then that's followed by living a life of faith in Christ. Well, what does that life of faith look like? Look at the story of this precious little boy. See, the purpose of this story is that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Do we believe it? Well, yeah, we sing, we do, we say, we do. We're going to talk about it in our life groups that we do. I would suggest that probably the greatest indicator of your level of belief in this is your level of what you give to God. That's where your true priorities and what's really important to you is truly shown. That is, scripture, as Scripture shows us, your true, a true act of worship and trust in God. And so as we step into the new year, man, there's a lot that God has called us to, and it's bigger than we are. <laughs> a lot bigger. But God is saying, will you look at this precious boy and learn from his example of a child like Faith. And consider what that means practically for you and your family. Now as we close I realize that there are um, there's a lot of us here that are kind of like in this situation that as we enter the new year it's like oh I'm so excited about a new year instead you've got financial problems that are bigger than you can manage. You've got marriage problems that are bigger than you can manage. You've got health problems that are bigger than you can manage. You've got Anxiety, depression issues that you can't seem to get a hold of, and so much more. There are too many of us, so many of us standing before impossible situations. And so it may seem little, it may seem like just a little mustard seed of faith, but as you as you turn to God with your prayer, God can work powerfully. So I want to ask that you stand and we're gonna go before God now in prayer. And as we do so, I just want us to, to lift up the burdens and needs we have. And then as we go into the song, I'm going to ask that you would consider reaching out to somebody that's going through one of those hard times and, and hug them and pray with them. Or if you are that person, to find someone to pray with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, incredible story. Beautiful story. I I love studying it and sharing it again. I pray that you will accomplish its purpose again. That you will create faith in those who are here and have never given their lives to you. And surrendered their lives to you. May you create faith this morning and bring them to the point of full surrender and baptism. I pray for the rest of us that you will renew us in our faith, Lord God. Fully and completely. And I pray, Father, that you will show us as we stand before, what an honor, what an honor that you have given us to be involved in so many different things in thousands and thousands and thousands of people's lives that are beyond our capability to meet. But you have an incredible way of working through us. Show us, Lord God, what that looks for us practically in our giving. Father, we come before you now personally with our lives. We offer up to you in this quiet prayer. The needs and the burdens that are before us so let's continue in this time of prayer and i encourage you to reach out to someone pray with them and ask them to pray for you as we go before god in prayer hey i'm eddie white the senior minister for the east side church of christ